So today, as I said at the beginning of Mass, so this is the Easter octave, also Divine Mercy Sunday, when we rejoice in having a God who desires to today and always constantly bestow his great mercy and love on us, his children. Now, at the beginning of our gospel, I don't know if you caught this, but we encounter the apostles and they're hidden behind locked doors for fear of the Jews. So we might ask ourselves, well, why were they so fearful? Well, firstly, we know that they just saw their teacher, their savior, endure a gruesome death at the hands of the Jews. And so they also thought the same thing would happen to them. They were also fearing because of the unknown. You know, they doubted whether Jesus was really the Messiah. Now, they'd been walking with him and learning from him for three years. And was all of that actually true? And I think if we're honest with ourselves, maybe we can also ask, what are some of the fears or insecurities or doubts that keep us from fully living our Catholic faith? You know, what keeps us in moments of indifference to God? or from taking that next step in faith that he's nudging us to do as we experience the Holy Spirit stirring in our hearts, or maybe through a friend or a family member who mentions something to us. You know, what our doors are locked in our lives, which keep us from living for Christ. If we continue on in our gospel, you know, we see all of a sudden, Jesus is standing in the midst of his friends. So somehow Jesus got through those locked doors. And he says, peace be with you. In Hebrew, it's shalom. So, you know, Jesus knows his disciples so well. He greets them with a sign of peace because he knows that they could probably be feeling a lot of shame since they abandoned Jesus during his passion and death. You know, we know Peter, our first pope, that he denied Jesus three times to his face. And that it was only John who was at the foot of the cross for the crucifixion besides the holy women. And maybe some of the apostles thought Jesus was going to come with great wrath and strike them dead in retaliation and retribution for their lack of fidelity to him. You know, but as we know, Jesus did not come back with vengeance or anger or hatred or with mobs that were yelling. He says, shalom. And to all of us as modern-day disciples... Jesus also speaks shalom into our own shame, into our own brokenness, into our own doubts, our weakness, our sinfulness. He stands in the midst of us today and says, shalom. My friends, this is the divine mercy of Jesus, this divine mercy that we celebrate and hold high today. And you know what? Praise God, it's perfect mercy that we receive from our Lord because if we look into our own lives, I don't know about you, but I'm guilty of this. You know, how many times have I refused mercy or for, for not forgiving someone or maybe judging someone falsely? You know, praise God that Jesus doesn't imitate us in the ways that we show imperfect mercy. He comes with divine mercy. To the apostles in the locked room that day, as well as to each one of us today and every single day of our lives. You know, God does not seek our condemnation. He desires to give us his mercy, but he won't force it upon us. He'll ask us to receive it with an open heart. 
Now, St. John Paul II said, mercy is love's second name. Mercy is love's second name. Now, this divine mercy is of great importance in our gospel because on this day of the Lord's resurrection, Jesus institutes the power to forgive sins. We heard it in our gospel. He institutes the sacrament of confession. Now, Jesus is surrounded by his apostles, the first bishops of the church, and he breathes his mercy and life into those apostles that they might become the same bearers of such mercy into the world. And that great sacrament, that great authority from Jesus given to the church has then been passed down through the generations of bishops and priests in the church up until today. Now also in a similar way at baptism, each one of us also received the Holy Spirit, Spirit which breathed life into our souls. You know, on the Easter Vigil, we had seven Aggies that were baptized as well two more this past Friday. Jesus has breathed on them and he's breathed into you and I through our baptism and also through our confirmation. Today we had about 40 students confirmed at our noon mass. You know, we first received divine mercy and then we're also called to breathe this mercy into our world. First and foremost, with our families, with our roommates in our classroom, that we are to bring Christ's resurrection, to bring his mercy into the deadness of our world and into our society. Now, if you think about it, this act of mercy is very countercultural, especially in our society today. You know, our culture says, accept everything and forgive nothing. Accept everything and forgive nothing. That's what the world tells us. And as we know all too well, the evil one plants seeds of anger and division and hate. And the evil spirit encourages a hardness of our heart to keep us from showing mercy to others or maybe to receiving God's mercy in ourselves and in our own hearts. So by our baptism, we're commanded by Christ to show mercy to others. But what does that look like in our daily lives as college students? When we speak of mercy, where does justice come in? Because we know our God is a God of infinite mercy, but also he is perfect justice. So how do those reconcile with the other? You know, from the ancient Greeks, any of you who's studying philosophy right now, but also carried into Christianity, we know that the definition of justice is justice is owing to someone what he or she is due. Owing to someone what he or she is due. So if someone wrongs someone else, then there's a consequence. There's a punishment that usually follows. But I wonder if that's true justice. Is true justice really brought about by this? Is such a debt really repaid and brought about in this manner? You know, Pope Francis reminds us that only in responding with good that an evil like injustice can truly be defeated. Only responding with a good can an evil like injustice be defeated. I think we saw this even a year ago. If you remember that Pope Francis, he went to the site in Iraq where the terrorist group ISIS said they were gonna chop off his head. And he went there and he prayed for them and he responded to this injustice towards him with a good, with peace, with prayer, and with mercy. And such an act, my friend, bears great fruit in the kingdom of God, both in the visible world as well as in the invisible spiritual world. 
All right, so I've been saying the word mercy a lot today, but if someone in your classroom tomorrow asked you, how would you define mercy, what would you say? You know, the word mercy comes from Latin, which is misericordia, which if we split that into two, misericordia, there's two words there, misere or miseria, which means misery or affliction, and then cor, which means heart. Any of you who know Spanish, corazón, cor. So this lends towards the English word of compassion. This misery and of the heart lends towards the word compassion. St. Thomas Aquinas said, to say that a person is merciful is like saying that he is sorrowful at heart. That is, he is afflicted with sorrow by the misery of another person, as though it were his own misery. He's afflicted with sorrow by the misery of another person as if it were his own misery. Therefore, he tries to dispel the misery of the other person as if it were his own. And this is the effect of mercy. If we took those three lines to prayer, if we took that back with us, there's a lot to chew on there to see how we are living that out or not living that out in our own lives. There's such a beauty to it to be able to dispel the misery of the other person as if it were our own. My friends, the key to mercy in regards to our own sins or any injustice is first and foremost to see the wrong we have done or to see the wrong that someone else has done and then to be open to the forgiveness of God or from others. And this is where we must unlock our hearts and allow God's mercy in. You know, the problem is never God's perfect mercy. It's always our own hardened hearts. And today, especially in so many families, maybe in friendships, there's a lot of hardened hearts, even in faithful Catholics, that we have to be able to soften in order to show mercy to others or to receive mercy ourselves. You know, as we know, whether we have sinned against someone else or they've wronged us, this process of mercy and forgiveness takes time. And sometimes it can be painful. Sometimes we can be stubborn. Sometimes we can have a hardened heart that needs to be softened. So it's truly a process. You know, Pope Benedict said that forgiveness and mercy are not a denial of the wrongdoing, but a participation in the healing and transforming love of God, which reconciles and restores. So Pope Benedict saying we have to recognize there is an injustice. But then once we recognize it, we seek healing. We seek transformation that only God is able to give so that we can be reconciled and restored. And you know, as we know from our own experiences, we might have to make the choice to forgive and to show mercy repeatedly when we're having the temptation to just have ill feelings or to keep the resentment or to have retaliation or revenge in our own hearts. You know, the act of forgiveness is coming from your will. It's not a feeling. So whether you feel like forgiving or not, the feelings are important, but that's not the basis. That's not the root. The root will come from your own will to be able to say, I forgive you. I show you mercy. Now, my brothers and sisters, I'd like to take one more step with you in our reflection, our gospel as we end today. And we're going to toward, turn towards doubting Thomas. You know, I kind of got some beef with history right now because Thomas makes one mistake 
And then forever he's labeled as the doubter. You know, anytime you hear about Thomas the Apostle, he's always including that word doubting with him. But why can't we call him like Thomas the Believer or Thomas the Evangelizer to India? You know, that that was his mission was to bring the faith to the people of India, and he did. But instead, he's forever remembered as doubting Thomas. You know, he wants tangible evidence in order to believe. He wants to know for sure or else he won't believe. And I think we can relate with that in our own temptations. But the beautiful thing is in a similar way to unlocking our hearts towards mercy, Thomas is unlocking his heart towards his doubts. His heart is softened and he allows his doubts to be transformed into one of the greatest confessions of faith in all of scripture. Thomas as the doubter, the one who tried to grasp and demand proof, it was he who received the greatest gift of faith. Thomas's response is not, I believe, but he says, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God. My friends, today Jesus calls each one of us to actually go beyond Thomas, to believe even when we cannot see. Jesus even says a blessing in our gospel over those who believe without seeing. And hopefully that gives us a little bit of consolation in the times where it is hard to believe. Especially when we find ourselves in the shoes of Thomas, in the times that maybe we doubt. But instead that we can become Thomas the believer. And so I end with a quotation from a great saint who I've already referenced today. You know, this is a man who lived through a time of great suffering and division in his own country, through the evil of communism, a man who was ordained a priest in secret out of great humility and bravery, a man who lived through an attempted assassination, a man who through his boldness and great leadership always is speaking truth in charity and also helped to crumble the wall of communism in Europe. And of course, this man being St. John Paul II, who was one of the biggest witnesses and promoters of divine mercy. And so my friends, I leave you with the words of St. John Paul II. Those who sincerely say, Jesus, I trust in you, will find comfort in all their anxieties and fears. There's nothing more than a man or woman needs than divine mercy, that love which is benevolent, which is compassionate, which raises men and women above their weaknesses to the infinite heights to the holiness of God. Thank you for listening to Aggie Catholic Homilies. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Be sure to check out our sister podcast, Aggie Catholic Talks, to hear talks from Magnify, Catholicism 101, and more. Thanks, God bless, and gig'em.